Raise your hands if you love dandelions and chickweed. Well, I think many of us who have tried to maintain a well-manicured lawn can at least share a story about the Battle of the Dandelions. And in fact, I'm rather ashamed to admit the lengths to which I have gone in order to eliminate them from my yard when I owned property in South Carolina. But unknown to most people, these plants serve a valuable and vital function for the early spring pollinators, especially the bees. And in our over-exuberance to maintain a pretty lawn, we are actually damaging our environment in more than one way. So in this episode, I'm going to discuss how pollinators are a valuable part of our ecosystem and what would happen if they disappear and what all of us can do to help. So stay tuned for episode 145, The Pillage of the Pollinators. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 145, which is called The Pillage of the Pollinators. So what I want to focus on in this episode is the value provided by all the active pollinators and how the services provided by these small little critters has a direct impact on our quality of life. And then I want to discuss the decline of these native native pollinators and what would happen if we continue to lose them and what all of us can do to help pollinators to live and thrive. And the underlying reason I want to focus on these things in this episode is that the health of our pollinators is actually quite vital to building a sustainable future. One of the things that continues to concern me is that there are so many subtle things and changes that are occurring in our global ecosystem that are completely unnoticed by the majority of the world's population. And in fact, the primary reason we know about these critical changes is because there are scientists around the world that make it their business to study, document, speculate, and even warn warn us of impending collapse of certain parts of our ecosystem and the ripple effects that such changes can have around the world. And as you likely know, the climate of our planet is changing and we are truly in the early stages of understanding those changes and the far-reaching effects. But I so often think that this is what you get when a global ecosystem is thrown out of balance. And in fact, I just recently attended a continuing education conference in Denver, and I was sort of surprised to notice that there were several lectures on the agenda that addressed either emerging diseases or further spread of certain diseases due to warming of our climate. And in many respects, it is so easy to focus on the dramatic news stories of 500-year floods, 
devastating droughts and heat waves, raging forest fires, intense tornadoes, and yet another hurricane. But there are also more subtle things going on in the backdrop that also affects our future, especially our food security. And we already know that due to our growing population, our agricultural production is going to have to produce 70% more food by the middle of this century, and that is going to be a significant challenge, and climate change adds to that challenge. So climate change is making it more difficult to grow crops and raise animals and harvest seafood in the traditional manner that we're accustomed to, but climate change is also affecting another vital link in our food production, and that link is the natural pollinators. And without these pollinators, our agricultural systems, our food supply, and our ecosystems are in danger of collapsing. And even though pollination is really a very simple process, there is one vital step that must happen because flowering plants naturally have their own version of both male and female reproductive organs and pollen has to be physically transferred from the male parts to the female parts in order for a plant to reproduce. And the natural pollinators visit these flowers in search of food such as nectar and pollen and during their travels they manually transfer pollen from one part of the plant to the other and from plant to plant. And during their visit to the flowers pollen is physically transferred from the male to the female reproductive organs and in addition to this pollen can be transferred due to wind. But however it happens the plant then uses that pollen to produce a fruit or a seed. And this transfer of genetic material is absolutely critical to the reproductive system of most flowering plants. And if it does not happen, plants are unable to reproduce. And when most people think of pollination, the first creature that comes to mind, of course, is the bees. But however, there, are, there is quite a variety of natural pollinators, things such as birds and bats and butterflies, moths, the bees of course, and beetles, wasps, flies and lizards, and even small mammals, all serve as pollinators. In fact, there's approximately 350,000 pollinator species worldwide. And while the best known of these is of course the bees, it is actually important to have a variety of pollinators because that diversity acts more or less as an insurance policy in the event that certain pollinators are absent, absent in some years. And in addition to that, some plants and pollinators have actually co-evolved to have an interdependent relationship. And this means that some plants may require certain types of pollinators to successfully reproduce. And a perfect example of this is the native bee biodiversity in California. And there are over 1,600 native bee species in that state. And Europe is also home to an amazing diversity of pollinators. And approximately 65% of natural pollination in Australia is the result of native species. And bees are, of course, one of the most important species. 
and they are responsible for pollinating over 110 important crops that we eat and use almost every day. So that said, there are also some other important pollinators. And a, a perfect example is the black and white ruffed lemur. It actually wins the award for the world's greatest pollinator. Because these little critters are quite nimble and are able to easily travel from tree to tree, and they consume over 130 different fruit species because they open up flowers and reach in with their long snout and tongue, which results in pollination. The tiny little honey possum in Australia, which is about the size of a mouse, lives off of nectar, and one of their favorite flowers is the eucalyptus. And then there's the tiny blue-tailed day gecko in Africa, which is responsible for spreading seeds, and this little critter is quite an active pollinator. And of course, we cannot forget about the little hummingbird, and there are approximately 350 species of hummingbirds worldwide, and they are in fact one of my favorite species, and I look forward to seeing them every spring. And the underlying reason that these pollinators are so important is because the manner in which plants reproduce. And these pollinators provide a valuable service to our ecosystem that mostly goes unnoticed. And these pollinators play a crucial role actually in supporting our global biodiversity. And natural pollinators provide services to over 180,000 species of plants and over 1,200 crops. And approximately 75% of the world's flowering plants and 35% of our crop production is dependent on animal pollinators in order to reproduce. And furthermore, plants serve as the basic foundation of our global ecosystem, and consequently, all of these natural pollinators are keystone species that helps to hold our ecosystem together by supporting plant reproduction and biodiversity. And it is these plants that brings us countless vegetables, fruits, nuts, provides us with 50% of the world's oils, fiber, and raw materials. But these diverse plants also help to prevent soil erosion and increases our carbon sequestration and some scientists have even estimated that one out of every three bites of food we take exists due to animal pollinators. So it is truly hard to imagine a world without apples, bananas, blueberries, strawberries, peaches, melons, potatoes even, and coffee and chocolate. And that is why these pollinators are so important. But unfortunately, Yet another challenge that we face in our ever-changing world is that our pollinators are in trouble. And most likely you have at least heard something about how our bee populations are disappearing and that bats are also dying off. Because at least in the United States, more than half of our bat populations are in decline or listed as endangered. And the monarch butterfly has declined by almost 99%. And more than half of the population of native bees are in decline. 
and domestic bee populations have declined by nearly 60%. And winter losses of beehives in the U.S. and Europe have increased, and these hives now have a failure rate of up to 50%. And in a 2017 German study, 1,500 samples were taken over 63 different sites, and this study revealed that the biomass of flying insects in that area has declined by 75% over 25 years. So the next logical question, of course, is why is this happening? And well, there is absolutely no doubt that this is the direct result of our modern world. Human activity has resulted in habitat loss, environmental contamination, and the further spread of diseases and parasites, and the use of pesticides and the introduction of non-native species are also contributing factors. So many of these pollinators are also unable to find the right quantity or quality of food, such as nectar and pollen, from blooming plants that are within their flight range, and consequently they are unable to survive. And presently, there simply are not enough pollinator-friendly plants to support a healthy population. And in addition to all of this, climate change only serves to amplify the effects of these stressors, including potentially shifting the range of plant species and the timing of flowering. So all of these factors have led to an overall decline of population of pollinators. And yet, unknown to the average person, this loss of pollinators has a dramatic effect on a global scale. Extensive research was actually performed using hundreds of farms across Africa, Asia, Europe, and Latin America so that researchers were able to quantify what is called the pollinator yield gap. So this research looked at dietary risk factors, economic loss, diet, chronic disease, and even international trade. And what was discovered is that the insufficient population of pollinators were responsible for significant present-day burdens of disease related to reduced consumption of healthy foods. And this study looked at things such as heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and some types of cancer, all of which can be reduced with healthier diets. And this study was actually the first to actually quantify the toll on human health due to insufficient wild pollinators. And the conclusion is that the loss of global pollinators results in 500,000 early deaths a year due to the reduction of healthy foods. And Dr. Samuel Myers at Harvard University, who was the author of the study, stated that this research establishes that loss of pollinators is actually impacting health on a scale with other global health risk factors. And obviously, from the results of this study, the global loss of pollinators is having multiple effects. And yet, these effects are so subtle that they are literally out of sight and out of mind. And of course, that leads to the next part of this discussion, 
what can we actually do about it? And as it turns out, there are several very easy things that we can do to help these native pollinators. And first and foremost, limit or completely eliminate the use of pesticides. Because after all, at the end of the day, a healthy balanced garden with the appropriate plants and an abundance of pollinators will actually support natural beneficial insects, which in turn will reduce the need for pest control. And the next easiest thing to do is to not destroy the early spring food supply for emerging pollinators. And a perfect example of these are those little annoying dandelions that we all try and get rid of. Because these plants, which most people consider to be an annoyance, are actually the first food for bees that are emerging in the spring. So for once, just leave them in your yard. And besides, they serve as a food source for people as well because the petals and the leaves are actually edible and make a good addition to a salad. And in fact, at the homestead, we now have a big area that is simply the dandelion garden. And in our desire to have a pretty manicured lawns, we completely forget that native plants are actually the way to go. But if you're planting a garden, just be sure to include some of these native plants because these plants are actually considered to be the best choice because they are adapted to the local climate and they have an abundance of nectar and pollen. And besides that, they're low maintenance and they even provide food and shelter for the local wildlife. But even if you live in the city or in an urban area, you can add natural habitat areas to your lawn and garden and believe it or not, studies have actually shown that suburbs and cities tend to have a higher diversity of natural pollinators, which means these little critters are not even phased by city life. But it also has been shown that farms that are closer to natural habitats tend to have a higher yield. And additionally, if you're gonna have a pollinator-friendly garden, think in terms of year-round blooming. So in other words, have a variety of plants that will bloom in spring, summer, and fall, and in addition, offer a variety of heights and fragrances and color. And this is the best way to attract pollinators on a long-term basis. And while you're busy planting your garden, it's also a good idea to plant in big batches because this makes it easier for pollinators to forage. And in addition to that, add some additional food and water sources and things such as hummingbird feeders and bird baths. And while most of us want to have a clean, pristine garden, that is not actually the best way to provide shelter for pollinators. So leave a little bit of debris that can provide nesting areas and leave some bare ground and dead wood and even some leaf litter. And this can be especially important in early spring and fall when natural nesting areas can be a little bit scarce. But bats, don't forget about these little guys because they're also active pollinators and provide numerous other benefits. And I always love seeing these around the, the homestead because they reportedly eat as many as 600 insects an hour, 
including mosquitoes, moths, beetles, crickets, and others. Bats actually save us billions of dollars a year in pest control methods because they eat so many insects. And you can actually attract these little guys to your property by adding bat boxes as well as providing food and water. And these little bat boxes, they need to be about 15 to 20 feet off the ground and water supply needs to be within at least half a mile. And just so you know, if you're a little worried about attracting bats to your property, it has been shown that less than 1% of bats actually carry rabies. But don't stop at protecting pollinators in your own yard or on your farm or homestead. You can also teach others about the importance of protecting pollinators by showing them what you have accomplished in order to attract bees, butterflies, bats, and other animals. And you can also take things a step further by always supporting your local farmers and beekeepers. So really and truly, at the end of the day, I think the average person is completely unaware of the silent but extremely important work that is performed by our native pollinators. Because most people are also unaware of all of the small things that can be done to attract them to your home. And since habitat loss is one of the greatest threats to native pollinators, then habitat protection and restoration is one of the primary ways that we can make a difference. Because all you really have to do is provide food and water and shelter and reduction and even complete elimination of pesticides also plays a comp- an important role. So despite the fact that I have lived on my homestead property for over 25 years, I am still surprised at how I continuously learn of new things that I can do that make that place more wildlife friendly. And in this coming spring, I'm gonna build several owl boxes and place them in a variety of places on the property. I'm also going to do some additional fire mitigation because it encourages the growth of native plants and flowers. And in addition to that, we're going to build more bee boxes and flower gardens. Because after all, one of the best things about being on the homestead is all the critters that we see. And I now know that there are even more things that we can do to attract all the fun things that we enjoy seeing every spring. Now in the resources section of this transcript uh, for for this episode, I'm gonna include several links to a variety of resources on things that each of us can do to attract and protect our pollinators. So please take advantage of those resources because protecting our pollinators is yet another thing that we can do to secure a sustainable future. So in closing, I want to leave you with one last thought. Because most of us have likely heard about the massive decline in our bee populations and what would happen if there was a total loss of our bees because they are such a valuable pollinator. But there are some that believe if that happens, that would spell the ultimate doom for humanity. But I think the more likely scenario is that we may still be here, 
but our daily diets were changed to something with significantly less variety. So while this may not spell out the doom of humanity, it does point out the fact that we need to start thinking about the long chain of events that got us here in the first place and how we can avoid that and how we can change things. Because in my opinion, if we get to the point of losing all of our native bee populations, I think that's going to be the least of our worries because at that point, we are going to be living in a world that is so soiled and toxic that we are going to have much bigger problems. Because it is abundantly clear that we have to do something to secure a sustainable future while we still have the choice. And we all have to commit to being one of those thoughtful, committed citizens that will be a part of changing the world. So, well, folks, that's about it for this week. And I certainly hope you have enjoyed this episode and encourages you to go outside and take one more step toward a sustainable future. But for now, folks, this is your host, Patrick, signing off. Always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.